from Portland, Oregon, this is the Jewish Review Podcast. I'm Rockney Roll. Coming up on this, our inaugural episode, my conversation with Julie Platt, the board chair for the Jewish Federations of North America. We talk about the handing down of a legacy of Jewish communal service, her favorite parts of the high holidays, and a little bit about having a family and show business. It was a lovely chat, and I do hope you enjoy it. Thanks for joining us, and Shana Tova, a good new year to you all. The Jewish Review podcast is presented by the Jewish Federation of Greater Portland and the Jewish Review newspaper. Founded in 1959 and relaunched as an e-newspaper in 2020, the Jewish Review brings the stories of Portland's vibrant Jewish community to your inbox every two weeks. Subscribe for free at jewishportland.org slash jewishreview. And now, here's Julie Platt. Julie Platt, welcome to the Jewish Review Podcast, our first ever episode. I'm so excited to be your first interviewee. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Tell me a little about your journey in Jewish communal work. So I was born in a small town in Wichita, Kansas, and there was no decision made by any member of the Jewish community whether to be engaged or not. We just all were. Every woman, man, child stood up and was counted. So I grew into Jewish communal work very organically from the example of my mother and my father and have continued that my entire life. Began to really step forward in college at the University of Pennsylvania Hillel, running their UJA campaign at quite a young age and continued in my life in New York City and then in the last many, many years in the Los Angeles Jewish community. And now I've had the great pleasure of having the opportunity to lead nationally as Jewish Federations of North America's first national campaign chair and now chair. Tell me a little more about the example your father set for involvement in Jewish communal life. I'm very appreciative that you're asking me that at this very moment. I'm still in Shloshim. My father just passed away a couple of weeks ago. He was a giant in Jewish philanthropy and set an example for us of giving as you live. And he taught us the importance of giving back to the Jewish community as he did in astronomical ways. He he could have done much with his financial success that would have impacted him more personally and instead made the decision to build Jewish educational institutions and yeshivas and organizations all over the globe. And I'm very proud of that legacy and very proud to continue it. Both he and my mother were beautiful Jewish community leaders, both locally and nationally. And again, set an example for my three siblings and for me that we all are trying to follow as best as we possibly can. And I understand that that you've passed that example along to, to your children as well. I feel lucky to say the answer to that question is yes. I have five children, and they each have found certainly the beginnings of their journeys because they're all young adults between 24 and 40, but are all deeply engaged in Jewish life in each the way they've curated for themselves. Excellent. So 
tell me, it, how has Jewish life changed big picture in this country since you started your journey in Jewish communal work? It's changed and it hasn't changed. The, the deep desire for connection and engagement never changes. And perhaps is a little more acute post-COVID of people really needing to reconnect and re-engage. But the need for community has always been there and will always be there. The need for support of annual campaigns of federations across this country has always been there and will always be there. But the innovations and the explorations of new ways in which to engage and the reinvigorating and redefining the right way to connect with Israel when we're in very much of a post-Holocaust and post-creation of the state of Israel time frame has required thought and creative ways and conversation and connection in ways that didn't exist in 1948. But the need to connect to the state of Israel is as important today as it ever has been, and we work very hard at that. So as someone who has a what we could call a 30,000-foot view of the situation, what do you see as the role of, of Jewish federations in communities and in the lives of ordinary Jews here in North America? I think we are poised beautifully to identify the things that need to be raised up and to fill in the gaps, to convene around issues that are affecting the Jewish communities both nationally and globally, and to innovate and strategize and efficiently address those issues. So I'll, I'll give you a few examples. Post-Pittsburgh and the Tree of Life shooting, we very much felt that we were poised to take responsibility for the securing of the North American Jewish community. And we went about creating a program called Live Secure. I'm proud to say that I was the campaign chair of that national fund. And we set about raising what was originally a goal of $54 million. We ultimately raised $62 million from national funders to be used as a matching fund to implore every Jewish community, small, intermediate, and large, to have a professionally overseen and sophisticated and well thought out and implemented security program. I don't think anybody could do that in the way that we've been able to do that in partnership with SCAN, the Secure Community Network. And we are on our way to securing all of the North American Jewish community with this matching grant. Similarly, we did that during COVID with a human services match, which we felt we were very capable of helping to oversee and did. We do that in areas that you can't even imagine in scope from talent pipeline, both lay and professional, to addressing anti-Semitism, to being much more intentional about young leadership and how best to engage them. We, we implemented a program during COVID called Change Makers, aimed at that 20 to 25 demographic that has exploded in, in ways we didn't foresee. I think we have the opportunity, again, to look at it from that 30,000 foot view, see what needs to be propped up, create what doesn't exist, and most importantly, convene conversations around solving problems that face us. Well, you mentioned security. I think security is on a lot of people's minds as we, we come up to the high holidays. What are some of the resources specifically that Jewish federations can provide for folks to address security concerns, both during the high holy days and in the broader context? 
So two things. First, let's let's keep it in the context of why we're doing this, which is I don't think you can have the spiritual payoff of sitting in beautiful high holiday services if you're scared to walk through the front door or to engage in the joys of Judaism if you're afraid to walk in the front door. So we very much implemented Live Secure for that reason, so that every community could either launch or enhance their security program to make sure that they had trained experts, trained security directors, assessments of the landscape in their community, and to address all the physical security needs and all the training needs in their community. In addition, we've worked very hard to lobby for the nonprofit security grants. And I know here in Portland, you've accessed that resource in many different organizations within the Portland Jewish community. That nonprofit security program of the U.S. government began at maybe $50 million. It's now $305 million in the most recent budget. There's also state-level nonprofit security grants. Those are the things that we have helped to lobby for and helped to teach people, actually both within the Jewish community and in the broader community, how to write grant proposals, how to access that money, and how to put it to use. So that a program like that really gives people the opportunity to do that grant writing to take to take their security into their own hands. That's exactly right. Fabulous. So since we're on the subject of the high holidays, can you tell me a little about some of your your favorite memories or some of the favorite traditions in your family from this time of year? So I'm lucky enough to be a member of a wonderful synagogue in Los Angeles, Sinai Temple, that is just making a transition from a senior rabbi that I grew up with, went to college with, and call a deep and close friend, Rabbi David Wolpe, I'd say the highlight for my family is going to Shul and being in his presence and learning from him. And now we are transitioning to an incredibly dynamic and wonderful new senior rabbi team, a husband and wife, Rabbi Nicole Guzik and Rabbi Eris Sherman. I'm excited to go to Shul. So maybe that's not the normal thing you hear, but my family loves going and learning from our clergy. And then it's all about the food. It's all about the family traditions of food that have existed since the beginning of time that still exist today. And I now have day school grandchildren and learning from them and singing with them and having their art projects adorn our table just add to the joy of the high holidays around my house. And the biggest sort of family celebration we have each year is breakfast, where we all invite all of our friends and community to our backyard. Everybody looks forward to my kugel, which I learned from my sister-in-law, Pam, from Baltimore. And I can't wait to get cooking and to welcome our friends and family to our backyard. Without giving too much of the secret away, you're going to have to tell me about the kugel. It's a pretty good one. It has a really good frosted flake crumb on the top. We do dairy breakfast. It's a winner. I see people sneak pieces off to take home. And when you say frosted flake crumb... Like Frosted Flakes, the cereal? I mean Frosted Flake. I mean cereal. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) All right, I'm going to have to come down to L.A. and get (laughs) some of that. So on top of your incredible work in Jewish communal life, I understand a number of your family members have been successful in the entertainment industry. For those who may be unfamiliar, can you tell me just a little bit about about their work? Certainly. Um, I'm thrilled for all of them that are engaged in this passion. As I say... To those of my family that are, when the thing you love the most is the thing that you're good at, it's a blessing. 
and we recognize that all the time. At the same time, you got to have awfully thick skin because it's also a an industry full of rejection. So you have to love it enough to want to stick with it. My husband is a producer of TV, theater, and film, and I'm very proud of the fact that he's found just wonderful success. Probably maybe one of the things best known is that he was the original producer of Wicked, which is now in its 20th year, which we never could have imagined. And he's almost at the end of the producing of the film Wicked, which we hope to see in 2024 and the second part in 2025. My oldest son-in-law is an entertainment attorney. My son Jonah is both a writer and an actor and actually a very loud and proud pro-Israel advocate. My son Ben is a wonderful actor and was most recently recognized for his performance in Parade. Parade won the Tony this year for Revival. A story unfortunately seated in anti-Semitism and the story of Leo Frank, but he was incredibly proud to be the person to tell that story as a Jew and to a broader audience. Sadly, incredibly timely. And then my youngest son, Henry, works in the music industry and sings as well. So we don't allow them to be in our family if they can't sing, even the married ins. So, so far, we're pretty safe. Excellent. Uh, You've really got all the bases covered there. So far, so good. Even my son, Ben, is engaged to a wonderful actor, uh, Noah Galvin, and he sings too. He's a musical theater guy too. Excellent. Are there any interesting stories or examples from around the Platt House of sort of the intersections between the entertainment industry and, and Jewish communal life? I'd say there's some really nice singing around the Pesach table. So I think people really enjoy using their voices to sing those silly songs written to Broadway tunes that we all hear at Passover Seders. My children have used their voices um, in Hebrew song, both in the synagogue, and my three sons did a beautiful video of a rendition of Ahavat Olam that found its way sort of virally across the country. So they do use their voices in that way, which is beautiful for me as their mom. And I'd say, you know, we have a lot of musical theater trivia within this group that probably is unmatched in their knowledge between all of us because my kids grew up and cut their teeth, maybe not on nursery rhymes, but on the score of rent. So that was an unusual car ride for their other carpool buddies, but that's what they grew up on. Have you ever considered, with all that singing talent, have you ever considered selling tickets to your Seder? Absolutely not. Totally private. But we do sing at weddings of our family. My husband and I sing as well. So we do have the pleasure of using our voices for simchas and for really beautiful family occasions. What's your what's your favorite movie or production or any form of, of entertainment that one of your family members has been involved in? And I know this is kind of putting you on the spot, but you gotta pick just one. For sure, Wicked. My husband chose to tell that story because it was the story of the other. The green girl was the other and you see that she was not the wicked one so he is drawn to storytelling that tells the story of really the Jewish people even if you don't know that from walking into it and my son Jonah had the pleasure of playing Fierro for a year on Broadway but I think that has been a gift that's kept on giving because sadly that story is relevant through decades of time Julie Platt thank you so much for joining us on the Jewish Review podcast my pleasure it's an honor thank you so much
That'll do it for the very first Jewish Review podcast. An enormous thank you to Julie Platt and to my colleague Wendy Kahn for helping me kick this series off in style. If you like this episode, please leave a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice to help others find our show, and click subscribe to get the latest episode every two weeks. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please reach out by email to editor at jewishportland.org. The Jewish Review Podcast is a production of the Jewish Federation of Greater Portland. Special thanks to Daniel Berger. Our theme music is by Isaac Joel. I'm Rocky Roll. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, all the best. Thank you.